1984, a great year for movies, and one of the biggest movies of the year, Ghostbusters. Yeah, we had the whole crew from the Saturday Night Live studio, making one of the biggest motion pictures of that year. Uh, written by Ivan Reitman, and of course, the, one of the biggest songs of all time. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? You, you Lewis in the news. <laughs> <laughs> This week's episode is brought to you by Everyday Flowers. Absolutely fantastic, beautiful bouquets for all occasions. You can find Everyday Flowers on their Facebook page and also on Instagram. And of course, don't forget to mention Electricity Take It when you're making your order. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. Well, Derek, we decided to go right back to the 80s again to pull out another classic. Right back to the 80s when I was only a young book. I was 11. What were you, 15, 1984? I, think I was 21. So we're doing the Ivan Reitman movie Ghostbusters, an absolute bona fide classic. Yeah. Uh, has been the uh, inspiration for many a Halloween costume and 80s revival concert co costume. Even up as far as Stranger Things, only a couple of years ago, the boys in Stranger Things. Don't Good it? point, yeah, yeah. It's iconic, and the, the, the vehicle as well is one of the most iconic cars in movies. Ecto, Ecto 1. I have one yeah. up in the, in the attic somewhere in a, in a box. So, a lot of really, really good movies. 1984, The Terminator, Beverly Hills Cop, Footloose, Gremlins, The Karate Kid. Yeah. Police Academy, Nightmare yeah. on Street. Yeah, great. You're floating. Gremlin, Gremlins. Yeah, but this, this topped the polaroid. What, taking $295 million? Yeah, I think it was, at the time, it was the most successful comedy. Yeah. And it was one of only more than four films that year to gross over $100 million. Um, on a budget... Budget was only about 25 to 35 million. Yeah, and has since had a sequel, of course, and then it was remade. The old female cast. What did she get that version? So I enjoyed it. I did too. Right. I, I went to the cinema to see it because it was, you know, girl, I got girls. Yeah. The girls wanted to see it. And from the opening minute, where the, I can't think of the actor's name, he's a very tall, skinny guy, comedian, um, was in uh, Silicon Valley. He's, he's given them a tour of the haunted house. You know, sets up with the Irish. And I, yeah. laughed. I thought it was funny. And you know what? It was well made. The guy that plays Thor, Chris Hemsworth, was in it. He was a comedic uh, tour de force. I thought he was amazing. But it just did not click, and it was a financial disaster. Didn't make any money. Well, not that it didn't make any money, but it didn't make the amount of money that it needed to to justify it being called a hit. I know, and it was it met a lot of uh, negative reaction because of its all female cast. 
Um, uh, but in its own light, and I don't, I don't think any, whatever cast you would have had in it, it would still be standing up against the original Ghostbusters. Maybe they had it done under a different name and they called it Ghostbusters, you know. Or even done it within the Ghostbusters universe, like a continuation. Yeah. But no, yeah, people, people were all, have all, so the sequel, I think, came, was it the 91? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, 89. 89. And the, the team, and it was disappointing. It yeah. was, you know, it was disappointing. You know, I don't think anybody really, I'd say it was just a payday, you know? Yeah. But people still have so much love for the original that they've been clamoring for a sequel. And a sequel is made, a direct sequel. So yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was supposed to be out at the end of 2020. No? Were we in 21? Yeah, middle of 2020. And it looks like it's going to be getting pushed to 22. Um, but the, the the original film itself had a really good cast from the Saturday Night Live studio. So originally, um, it was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, but the original script was written by Dan Aykroyd. And the original premise, he, he wrote it specifically for him and John Belushi to do. And the premise was him and John Belushi as Ghostbusters traveling through time. That's right. Uh, solving supernatural mysteries. And... When Belushi died, he had to retool it, and Ramus came on board, and they were given the task of taking the premise of the story and retooling it, to, you know, to a city um, base to make it more financially viable to make. And sure, the rest is history, you know. Yeah, and I know Dan Aykroyd has a big background in the occult and kind of these uh, UFOs, and I think he said he's seen a few UFOs and ghosts. He, and he definitely believes in in ghosts and the afterlife, and he is a big. Uh, he is what would be known as a paranormal investigator. He, he um, aggressively reads all this kind of stuff and does investigation and goes to seances and goes to, you know, a mass migration. What's the word in, in Ghostbusters? A mass sponge migration they talk about. But uh, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely, it's from his own interest this yeah. came from. So going back to the film, and the cast that's on the screen was uh, actually different than the cast that he wanted to play, the, or initially put out to play the part. I know Eddie Murphy was supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. Eddie Murphy was supposed to be in it. Eddie Murphy was supposed to be in it, but 84, Beverly Hills Cop, Ken yeah. Collin, Colin, you know, yeah. um, who was originally supposed to be Axel Foley. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. He, he, he wanted to change the script uh, too much, and the script change that he wanted to do, he kept on board and actually made Cobra. Cobra. Yeah, yeah, Cobra. So Marion Cobretti. Marian anyway, Cobretti. yeah, you're right. Eddie Murphy, they wanted on board. Uh, he wasn't available. It was a it was a Saturday Night Live. You know, that's what they they wanted. But I mean, Bill Murray. I think Bill Murray is an amazing yeah, actor. Never mind a, a comedic actor. He had a great. He, he was on the wave there. He what? Stripes, Ghostbusters. I think he touched was gold. You know, really good. And he's a well respected actor. Harold Ramis. Yeah. God bless him. Party. And um, I, I, on the thing of Saturday Night Live, if anyone wants a really good book. Uh, the wild and crazy guys it's all about the whole background of starting my life it's really i got an audible audiobook very very good background story and all and all these films how they're made check it out so the, the the film opens up with a big sweeping view of the new york city library and we see the big lion head and there's a female librarian going downstairs and she's you know very you know putting her books away or whatever and all these library cards start shooting up and she turns around oh, there's a big light or bright light you know a gust of wind against her and she screams and that's where we that's where the iconic logo ghostbusters and uh, we see the is it true that the word slime doesn't actually mention in the movie no when they're in the hotel oh yeah and slimer slimes slimes slimer slimes 
Dr. Pete Vinkman, Bill Murray, he's lying on his back. He slammed me. And someone goes, he slammed him. Keep a sample for me. Yeah, yeah. And that, that cartoon, uh, the character, slammed became one of the, the big things in the cartoon. Well, even though we were talking about Ghostbusters, it became a multi-billion dollar franchise. Uh, you know, if you, if you think about, you had the, the cartoon, which ran for, I don't know, six or seven years. Yeah. The real Ghostbusters. Then there was the extreme Ghostbusters. There was toys that went. That became a franchise by itself. There was toys. There was rides in um, I don't know wherever New York. You know in in, yeah. in the uh, the uh, like Disneyland that we know. But there's yeah multi billion uh, dollar franchise. So the cast um, and a strong female lead who had come off really well, fairly recently. Alien. Yeah. Sorry, we ran. She wanted a break from that kind of horror, tough action lady role, didn't she? She wanted to be. Fabulous. Yeah. Even now, well, she must be in her 70s, is she? Uh, that's, that's very good to speak for ladies' age, especially on the week. All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Sigourney. <laughs> but uh, no, beautiful, um, plays Dana Barrett. Dana Barrett. Yeah. Uh, a cellist with the New York Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, but she had to audition for her, even though she was, I had critical acclaim for uh, Alien. She had to audition, and apparently her audition was crazy. She started pretending she was possessed and crawling around the studio and biting cushions. She became one of the dogs and Ivan Reitman says, cut, never do that again, but you had the role. <laughs> so as we said, we find Pete Venkman, he's he's in the in the college and he's doing this kind of test with cards. He's got a man, he's got a woman and he's asking them questions. And even from the out- outset, you can see Dr. Pete Venkman, he's the messer. He's, he's cheating with the game so he can give your man electric shocks and hopefully have a bit of fun with the girl later on. That's where we meet Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd comes in. He plays Ray, Ray Stance, and he says, oh, does that have to be in something in the, in the library? And off they go, and we meet Harold Ramis, uh, Egon Spengler. Harold Ramis, unfortunately, is dead. He died maybe five or six years ago. Well, the, the, it, there's a bust of his head in the in the remake of the Ghostbusters, the yeah. all-female cast. In that house scene, I think, where you talk about, when you walk by, there's a bust of Harold Ramis' head there, just a tribute. Because Bill Murray was also in there, we should mention that, Bill Murray was also in the... Uh, they all were. Yeah. In the, in the female Ghostbusters? Yeah. They all had small roles. Yes. Um, but so they, they're investigating, you know, they ask the, the, the female uh, librarian some questions. You know, has anyone ever had any mental problems in your in your family? My uncle thought he was St. Jerome. But they get downstairs and this is to be for me, I think it's one of the best lines in, in cinema. When they're walking, everything is real, real quiet, and every, they, they find the stack books. Oh, this is weird, you know. And Dan Aykroyd, Dr. Ray Stance, turns around and goes, listen, do you smell something? Brilliant. Every time I watch that, and I have to rewatch the film for this, and every time I see it, it just makes me laugh. Sorry if it doesn't make everybody laugh, but it made me laugh. This is hot, Ray. Symmetrical book stacking, just like the Philadelphia Man's Turbulence of 1947. You're right, no human being would stack books like this. Listen. You smell something? They're in the, in the library. And I don't know. They see the ghost. And uh, Bill Murray turns up, what are we going to do? And the guys haven't got a, they haven't got a clue. You know? And uh, he, so he goes around, hello. Um, we're you know, starts talking to her. And she puts her finger up to her, her mouth and goes, shh. So when he goes back, Dan Aykroyd says, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do. And the three of them walk around the corner 
And just as they get to the ghost, he screams, Get her! And the ghost, you know, explodes in, you know, scary mode. And that's when you see them running out of the, uh, out of the library. Scared out of their wits. They get back to the college. The Dean, Dean Yeager, is clearing out their stuff. You know, you're, they're, they're cutting their funding. Your, your theories are the worst, you know, tripe. So they've no option. What are they going to do? They now have all this, these readings from these mock-ups of testing equipment that they've done. And they decide that they're going to go into, well, they want to go into business for themselves. Bill Murray, the character, uh, Pete Venkman, you know, it's a family, you know, call it luck, call it fate, call it karma. Um, as you, and as you're saying that, I can hear another actor scene. So who, who was initially supposed to play the part? Of Pete, or uh, Pete Venkman? Yeah, where, where are you looking at, Mick Keaton? Where are you looking at? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. But they make uh, Dan Aykroyd take out a toward, a toward mortgage just to get money. They, you know, uh, Egon Spengler says he's in the background with his calculator. The interest alone for the first five years is $95,000. That's where they get the the firehouse. You see, the uh, you know, the firehouse is in bits. Um, and they get Ecto-1. Yeah. And I'll give a bit more of the background of the film. Uh, I know you really love this film. I, I do like it as well. But, uh, I love it. They, were, they put the idea to the studios and... Um, they were very hesitant to, to bankroll it. They were going to not... But what he wanted it. to do was going to cost too much. Yeah, but so what they did, they agreed to give him the money, but not as much as he wanted. But it had to be shot in a very short period of time. I think he wanted it out for the summer. So that was the deal. Like, you got to get this done and dusted, and that's how we finance it. So I, put, I kind of put a bomb under them and made them move and get it. Well, it was filmed and released in 84. It was filmed. Yeah, that's it. Know, it was very quickly done. And it probably adds to the whole rushed, haphazard feel of the film as well. You know, these actors running around and don't forget they give these guys here were at their peak uh, hitting their peaks in Saturday Night Live you know, I always wonder would Chevy, Chevy Chase not have got a look in I know he wasn't quite so uh, on friendly terms especially with Mr uh, Mr Aykroyd no he was okay with Aykroyd he wasn't too bad with Dan, Dan Aykroyd Murray. yeah Dan Aykroyd would, would humour him yeah. Dan Aykroyd is, is a really kind of peacemaker but Bill Murray wouldn't put him any shit and him and uh Chevy Chase we separate numerous times on set of Saturday Night Live. But I mean, if I remember right, I think Chevy Chase left after the first season, of, or maybe even second season. I think first or second season. Like Chevy Chase for Saturday Night Live, when you had Bill Murray, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, Jane Corden, he was the bra- He was the breakout star. Yeah. Like he, they went from this kind of like a t- ensemble team to every week, um, he would be front page of all the TV magazines. So there was a. There was, was it was called a bit of jealousy or a bit of whatever you know. But see, they weren't all they were on their own little comedy circuits, and then they were pulled together for this show. So you're gonna have, look, come here, top of the line. If you're top of your head, your 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 little circuit in Canada, and you come down, and you're you're the small fish, you know, in the big pond, rather than and all these egos are gonna are gonna clash, and they're playing against all these egos. So they weren't like a tight bunch that kind of came out tra- come through the ranks together. They're all just trying together for the sake of it. Um, out of them all, I think Chevy Chase has the worst reputation, but made some great movies also. Very funny guy, yeah. you know. But uh, so filling out the cast, we, you know, we mentioned um, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray as the three main guys. But you've also got Rick Moranis, another com- comedic genius. And do you know who they wanted for the role initially uh, that Rick Moranis played? John Candy. 
That's right. That's right. He died. Yeah. No, 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 he, sorry, didn't no he didn't no. die. No. He, well, he, he killed he his did, career. He did die. <laughs> he killed his career for this one by saying he wanted to play him as a rough German type of character with a broken, a very, very uh, aggressive man. And I say he wanted and him and uh, Raymond didn't see eye to eye. Just on this, they're good friends. But just on this, they didn't. So they agreed to part ways for the sake of the movie. So Rick, there's actually talk of Rick Moranis coming back acting again yeah, he took a break after his wife's death 20 he just decided that he wanted to raise his kids and he wanted to raise them right i think he raised them in london i think they were yeah i think so yeah uh, but then there's footage from recently somebody just come up and sucker punched him sucker punched new york city well, yeah. it just happened to be him and i don't think they knew it was rick moranis you wouldn't yeah, know it was murder like, you yeah, know, yeah, a lot of guys come out a lot of people like yeah that, that they weren't even connected come out and get out of it but uh rick moranis plays lewis tully who is sigourney weaver's kind of geeky nerdy neighbor who has the hots for her and um, you know Sigourney Weaver has this issue in her apartment where she goes home and she puts her eggs down. The eggs start popping out onto the counter and cooking. She uh, hears a noise from her fridge. She opens it up. There's like a like a dragon or a demigod, and it says Zool. That's that's when that is her how she ends up with the Ghostbusters. She goes to uh, to the firehouse, and that's the, that firehouse is uh, a tourist attraction still in New York. People. Have you seen it? I, do you know I'm, I'm, I've been to New York and I never went to see it. Why did I know? No, I just couldn't believe it. And, and I was only I was only thinking that today. Yeah, I was looking at it and I was saying, God, why did I not bother? Look, when you go to New York, there's so much to do, but geez, it's something we should have done, definitely. But uh, when she comes into the forehouse, she meets the receptionist, Janine. Janine Melnitz, played by the brilliant Sally Potts. Um, she's a, an absolutely brilliant actress and is still in, still acting i don't know if you ever watched young sheldon the spin-off from no i've never seen it. Uh, she's the grandmother in it right. but uh, a brilliant line from the movie when she's at her desk and um egon is under the desk and he comes out i don't know what he's doing under her desk but she goes i can tell you're really good with your hands you know what hobbies do you have and he says i collect spores molds and fungus <laughs> it's a brilliant just a great great line but um she comes in she explains her bit she wants the Ghostbusters to, you know, what's going on. Bill Murray goes back to the apartment. The, the tinkling of the of the pianos. Yeah. I hate this. But he's only the closet. I hate this. I like the torture room. That's right, boys. It's Dr. Venkman. Space. Just you? So we're 30 minutes into the movie, Derek, and they get the first rate call. It's taken a while, but we got there, and this is the first time we get to see those iconic overall uniforms and the motor car. Every good movie has a good motor car. Every good film has a good Yeah, so the, the, the shutter opens up, and we see the registration plate, Ecto 1, and it's the first time we see the spruced up. Funeral car, or hearse if you want to call it, uh, with the Ghostbuster logo on the side of it, heading towards the hotel. And that logo was actually created by uh, one of the film producers. They just come up, they couldn't get the logo right, and just doodling away and come up with that, the ghost coming through the kind of stop sign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they get to the hotel, there's, you know, there's a ghost up on 12. They're standing at the lift, great scene, they're standing at the lift, there's some old man there having a cigar, and he's saying, hey, what are you, some kind of a... a Exterminator? He says, yeah, somebody saw the cockroach up on 12. 
It must be big. It'll bite your goddamn head off. <laughs> you get in the lift, but they go up, and this is the first time we see Slimer. And there's uh, no Slimer is based on. Did we, did we speak to us already? Because Belushi couldn't be in the movie to base yeah. the character of Slimer on his type type of character. So he's, he's kind of very hot. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they they go up, and you know the <laughs> it's brilliant. Bill Murray standing there, and he goes, he's looking at me. Well, don't don't do it to him. He's coming. He can hear you. He's an ugly son of a bitch, isn't he? I think he heard you. I think he heard you. He gets slimed, so he does get slimed, and he uses the phrase, "He slimed me," and Egon says, "Save some for me." But he said, "Get your ass down here now. It's in the ballroom." And when they go into the ballroom, is where it's a kind of a setup for the end of the film, because when they're shooting the the proton, what you call the proton packs? Plasma. Yeah, plasma streams. He said, "Don't." cross the streams that was just an ad lib wasn't it yeah don't yeah. don't cross the streams that would be um really bad what bad just think of every cell in your body imploding and exploding at the same time okay so don't cross the streams another great line where he kicks open the ghost trap and he goes don't look directly at the ghost trap i look directly at the ghost trap what am i gonna do brilliant so just that, that guy's just winging it and put it in it they destroy the place and they get slimer they trap him uh, for now and they, they put him in the I suppose containment unit but that's that's the start of kind of like the, the montage you know a good 80s montage yeah. where they're they're running around and uh, you hear Casey Kasem yeah the guy's from Shaggy Shaggy the guy's from uh, Back to the Countdown you also hear Larry King who unfortunately died, yeah, yeah. died yesterday the day before yesterday yeah recently uh well, this isn't going out for a few weeks there. <laughs> okay, sorry. And Harry King, who thought he actually died a few weeks ago, apparently. Um, but, so they're, they're, they're completely, completely wiped. All of a sudden, there's instances and sighting of ghosts all over New York City. And that's, they have to put the, the word out that they want to hire somebody. They don't even interview. There's a guy sitting there, um, Winston Zeddemore. Winston's anymore the tour. Then they have a bigger role initially in the movie, and there's a bit of controversy over this. Yeah, that initially he had a much uh, bigger role, and he was more in the film, and he cut his role right down. And there some people said because he was a black actor, he didn't get, he hadn't, hadn't got a more prolific role in the movie. Another theory is that because Eddie Murphy didn't get the role, I didn't take the role, that they kind of wound it back because Eddie Murphy would have been a big draw at the time, so they kind of wound the character back, but then had to yield the pressure and bring him back in. He's 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 very good in it because. He, his character is the non-scientific character. You could, you could say Bill Murray is the non-scientific character, but he's the only one that doesn't have a doctrine in it. Like, he's just the Joe Soap. Yeah. Like, he comes in and he says, uh, hey, what's your name? Winston, you're heard. Come on. But that could be also part of the controversy as well, that, you know, why is the guy who's just another ordinary Joe Soap but just uh, portrayed as a black kind of character? At the time, you know, that could have yeah. been another, another review on it, that the, the, the kind of guys who are the white I, I think he's a good character. I think he adds a lot to no, it. No, he does. He, he does. So... Next time you see Bill Murray, he's gone to see Sigourney Weaver at her work because he has some information. They they looked up Zool and Zool was the Dominion of Gozer, some you know demigod from the Babylonian or Sumerian age. And the she, he kind of talks around to going on a date, so they set a date. When he goes back to the office, there's a guy from the EPA there in the Environmental Protection Agency, brilliant character, William um, Peck, Walter Peck. Played by William Atherton, but uh, he plays he played those kind of dickhead roles in the eighties. Remember, he was the uh, reporter in Die Hard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he's you know 
can I can I see the containment unit? I said, no, you didn't say the magic word. And what is the magic word? Please. Okay, can I please see it? No. <laughs> what do you want to see it for? So he gets all tick. Then we see Dana is going into her apartment. Uh, Rick Morales comes in. What are you doing? You're coming into me party. She says, no, no, no. I, I got a date. Oh, yeah, he's all pissed off. Bring your date with you. But she goes in and this is where it all comes. This is the kind of the kickoff of the movie. The hands come out. These kind of like monster hands come out of her uh, chair and grab her. Then it cuts to Rick Moranis' party and you hear like a growl. Who brought a dog in? And then this big bloody dragon. But you, you'd seen on top of the building, you see the kind of like uh, the concrete of the dog or the, the, the you know, breaking and you can see the claw. So whatever way it's after happening, they're after almost infecting or taking over the bodies of Sigourney Weaver and uh, Lewis Tully, Rick Moranis. So Sigourney Weaver is the gatekeeper there's a little bit of innuendo here and Lewis Tully is the key master so he has the key for her gate but they uh, the Lewis Tully ends up being brought to the Ghostbusters office by the police because he's you know he's he's whacked out and they uh, you're talking Derek about the, like, the some kind of scenes in this movie that for like at the time it was a PG wasn't it it was a PG, PG. I mean, there's one scene in it in particular where Dan Aykroyd is having a dream and a ghost takes off his jeans and yeah. is nice to him. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is a whole other thing as well that do you reckon that films then, because there wasn't the 12s, not the way there is now, 12s. Yeah. So that, that what happens is a lot of the 80s movies are getting recategorized now. So I think Ghostbusters has gone to 12. I think even back to future may have gone to 12 but a lot of films are pg because that yeah, was i mean does it the, the part of the film where bill murray arrives for the date and she's obviously uh you know she's you know what's the word i'm looking for the ghost is inside her the she's possessed she's possessed there you go and she's like come on take me she says to him i want you inside me pg movie and he says no i think there's enough people inside you at the moment you know what i mean <laughs> so it's it, there's a little bit of double entendre there yeah. But he eventually he, he rings and he rings the guys and says, you know, she's calling herself the key master or the, the gatekeeper. He says, well, I've got the key master. I think it's imperative that we don't get these guys together. In the meantime, Walter Peck has come back with a copper and he has got a, a court order to shut down the containment unit. There's a whole melee that happens, you know, they're all, he's just being a dickhead. Eventually, anyway, he gets shut down. And all of the ghosts that they've caught escape, you know, escape, explode out through the uh, the roof of the building. The ghostbusters get arrested and they're, they're in, in the jail. And this is, you know, it's great eerie music as, as the, um, the ghosts are flying over New York City. It's flying towards the building that Dana Barrett lives in. And I think at some point during the film, Dan Aykroyd says that they have done research on the building and it's made, you know... It's like a, it's like a, um, a beacon, a supernatural beacon. Uh, what, what, you don't make, don't make buildings like that anymore. He goes, no, they never made buildings like this. So we've got the Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters are, <clears throat> they're in prison, and they got a. Actually, the cop that comes to take the Ghostbusters out of prison to take them to meet the mayor. Cats living together, mass hysteria. Enough, I get the point. But what if you're wrong? 
I'm wrong, nothing happens. We go to jail, peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if I'm right, and we can stop this thing, Lenny, you will have saved the lives of millions of registered voters. So after all our ghosts escape, to get a chance to redeem themselves, to go to the mayor, to take and see the mayor, and they offer him a bit of advice. Well, Peck is there, and Peck is losing his shit, because, you know, he feels he was the one that ordered to close down the containment field. Dan Aykroyd said, look, everything would have been okay, except for Dickless turned down, or shut down the containment field. And the mayor says, is this true? And Bill Murray just goes, yes, this is true. This man has no dick. <laughs> but... He said, he said to them, look, we can fix this. We have, we just need our gear. We can fix this. He said, Peck is saying, I can't believe that you're even thinking about this. You're letting these animals, these, you know. But he goes, Bill Murray just comes up to him. He doesn't call him Mary. He goes, Lenny, if we're wrong, just throw us back in prison or jail. But Lenny, if we're right, you've just saved the lives of millions of registered voters. <laughs> That's where we see then... Uh, the Ghostbusters getting the police escort to the building. Come on, turn them lights on. Let's break some red lights. And the crowd is there. You know, they're like rock stars. They get out, you know, they're waving at the crowd. But if you look around, you've got like uh, priests, you've got um, definitely Hasidic Jews, everyone, all different, you know, uh, religions yeah, yeah. praying, you know. All come together. Yeah. But uh, there's a great bit then. They get their gear and the four of them are walking. You just see them looking up. And he goes, how many flights? I don't know. But it's just flights and flights and flights of stairs. He goes, look, some, someone give me a shout when we're on the fourth floor, the twelfth floor, why? Because I want to vomit. But it's the twenty-second floor. They get up. Um, Lewis and Dana Barrett are kind of like they start, you know, shaking. They turn into dogs. They turn into the um, Zool, the hounds. Yeah, Zool's uh, protectors, basically. But again, it was the 80s, and Zool is dressed in a shiny catsuit with Diamante and high heels, and she looks like she came out of an 80s music video. And she says to Dan Aykroyd, are you a god? Uh, no. Then die. Another brilliant line, you know, if anyone ever asked you again if you were a god, you say yes! <laughs> And uh, the effects in the movie, uh, I know you mentioned the ghosts coming out of the thing, but did it re remind you of any movie at the time or a bit later? Well, some of the stop motion stuff? Yeah, the ghosts especially, they're kind of, they're quite, the feel of it. Poltergeist, the same crew, the same special effects crew worked on Ghostbusters. As so the real time. effects, the, the actual special effects was done to, to save money. They got this new crowd in to do the special effects. And to be honest with you, you look back, they don't age that well. The Slimer bit is, is not too bad. And some of the live action stuff, as in the, the Muppet puppets that they made. Yeah, yeah. But some of the uh, some of the special effects, I thought, just haven't aged well. I, I, I reckon they'll actually revisit it and, and, and do it. Well, as I was just wondering, uh, the, the new one coming out, it's supposed to be uh, autumn 2021, end of this year. Uh, afterlife. I'm just wondering, will, will they be bring back some of the characters who passed on using new CGI? Like, Maybe. like in the Star Wars, you know, you had uh, Leia coming back and you know things like that. So I wonder, will they be able to do that? Maybe. 
which will be interesting as a ghost sir I'm looking, I'll be honest I'm looking forward to seeing oh it. yeah me too right, come on let's wrap this up go on so they, we're now at the top of the building and Zool the 80s rock video chick says to you know choose you've got to choose the um, the image of the destroyer and the four of them get together and say nobody pick clear minds you know they're, they're just waiting and he goes you have chosen and Bill Murray goes well I haven't chosen you know he looks at Winston oh my mind is blank he looks at Egon and my mind is blank and Dan Aykroyd is just slowly walking away from them and he goes I couldn't help it I just tried to think of the most innocent image I had as a child what was it the marshmallow the stay puffed marshmallow man yeah so we got this uh, I don't know 60 foot marshmallow man stepping on nobody steps on a church in New York City and this is where they decide to cross the streams even though they know that this listen we're gonna die they lock they load they shoot they cross the streams and everything explodes you know there's marshmallows everywhere the, you know anyway the heel of the hunt if you haven't that seen the shape film, Shaving foam. Well, if you yeah. haven't seen the film, they survive. <laughs> and, you know, they save Sigourney Weaver. They save Rick Moranis. Yeah. And they come back downstairs to a hero's welcome. But again, you know, continuity. When they're on the roof, they're destroyed in, from head to toe in uh, shaving foam or marshmallow. And when they walk out, Bill Murray just has a smidgen on his head. Yeah. Yeah, well, the budget was probably restricting them, setting up again. Um, made big money. Big money. Yeah. I think uh, roughly at the time, two hundred and eighty-five million. I don't know what what would that would equate to now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's over two hundred two million dollars. It's huge, and probably still making money now on the remakes and the. Did you see it in the cinema? I I can't remember. I, I don't think I did. So you were probably in pubs drinking with that kind of. I was eleven, and I went to see it with my brother, who was nine, and a neighbour from across the road, who was ten. So like, if you look back now. 9, 10, 11, getting the, the 51 into town, into yeah. the Carlton or the Savoy. It was one of the ones on yeah, the... Delphi. Well, no, it, was, it was one of those two, the Carlton. Faced each other. Faced that each was other. the Odeon, wasn't it? No, Carlton and Savoy. And you had the Ambassador at the top of the road. Ambassador at the top of the road. I see the Air Force strikes back at the Ambassador. Did you, yeah? yeah. We seen Rocky IV at the Ambassador. I've seen, yeah, that was the good old days. It's, it's still Actually, the Temple of Doom was released in 84 as well. Um, oh, yeah. There's only one cinema open now in Dublin, isn't there? In the season. Well, there's two. Three. But the one on O'Connell Street, there's only the Savoy, isn't there? That's it. I, honestly, it's a long time. Yeah, I, I draw. I walk. I'd be saying to my kids, we walk by on the way to Crow Park for a Dublin match, and he'd say, "You just have to queue here to watch films." And so you couldn't just buy tickets around. No, jeez, you couldn't buy a ticket. You had to around queue. the block. Star Wars. I remember Gear coming out and saying, "Sorry, you had to wait the next show." You'd stand there until that film was over. And come on yeah, the next I can remember queuing around the block for Batman. I can remember queuing around the block. Don't ask me. No, to be honest with you, right? I never queued. I would always skip the queue. You still do that. I know, I still do that. And uh, Santa Claus, the movie as well. I remember we arrived up and I remember we arrived up. We cut this one out, don't we? Yeah. But no, on a Santa Claus, the movie. I mean, I don't even think that film was a hit, but the queue went down the street. And I remember you just walked up and say, sorry, how much are the tickets for that film? Oh, yeah, the tickets are, I don't know, whatever they were, two pound at the time. Oh, can I afford this? <laughs> oh, that's what we used to do. We you you burned your oh. trade at many gigs doing this. Yeah, so like, but that was that was Ghostbusters. So it was you. Yeah, we can't. We can't talk. The car was initially uh, black. Of course, it's a hair so and he painted it white. Yeah. Trunk together, start falling apart as you're making the movie. By the end of the movie, it was right off. But it's iconic. It's huge. I think I had my photograph taken with it. I got a photograph taken with Disney last summer. Might root it out and put it onto the social media for this. Um, I think the hair is a lot darker or redder. 
rather. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely have I have a couple of uh, model cars up in the attic somewhere in boxes, and I definitely have Vector One. And the song was a hit single, Ray Parker Jr. But number one, big scandal because he ripped off Huey Lewis and the newest uh, I Need No Drug. Yeah. And um, well, I'll put the two of them up, and you can have a listen after this. Um, I'm sure there's a side by side comparison. Yeah, we'll get it up because it's ads rip off straight away. It, but a big, massive, world, worldwide hit. But I always remember, you know, who the song was here before the movie, wasn't it? Yeah. So that kind of leads the way, you know, for us. I guess he was filming this great song. Uh, was who are you going to call those bastards? <laughs> but he's a, a very uh, famous uh, guitar player. Like he's a. Ray Parker, Ray Parker Jr. Jr. Yeah, really, really um, talented guitar player. Yeah, so as I said, the new one's coming out um, supposedly in autumn this year. So that'll be one to look out for. And uh, if you enjoy Ghostbusters, give us a mention there on the social media. And uh, that's me, Ghostbusters. Thank you very much. Who are you going to call? Those bastards. Ghostbusters, who did you call? <laughs> who did I call? Yeah, a really classic movie. I wonder it has um, a place, I think, in a lot of people from the 80s in their heart. You know, the, I don't think of anybody who you know, says they don't like it. There's a lot of love for that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed talking about it. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, it's always um, good to go back to a movie there. Absolutely, yeah. There was a lot of comments about that. There was too many interviews, so we, we have a plan, and we're going to stick to the plan. And next week's an interview, funny enough. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, of course, we want to thank our sponsor, Everyday Flowers. Uh, beautiful uh, bouquets for all occasions. You can find Everyday Flowers on their Facebook page and also on their Instagram. And please, please, please mention the podcast. Let Christy take it when you're making your order. We have been assured you will be taken care of. The only spirits I'm used to chasing are whiskey and tequila. <laughs> are you the spirit of the woman who was shot? <gasps> Did you used to live in this house? Is this whole thing just you beefing into the microphone? Yeah.